Hello and welcome to the Golden Power Hour podcast, where we are opening doors through open minds. I'm Kristen Steed. And I'm Carrie Bedore, and we're with Golden Link Training and Coaching, where we specialize in growth and business development with a vision of helping people live the best life ever. Hey, Kristen, I'm so excited for you to intro our guest today. I am too, because today's topic has already profoundly impacted the lives of so many people because we're talking about the war for talent and what it takes to win it. And good Lord, do we know that there is a lot of collateral damage that happens in the middle of this war. So we couldn't have a better guest today to talk about this topic. We are excited to welcome Chris Zarnick. Chris Zarnick has a powerful message that needs to be heard. So he has analyzed hiring from every angle and has authored several books on the topic, including his most recent, Winning the War for Talent. As an award-winning international speaker, He travels around the country teaching HR organizations how to be hunters of talent instead of farmers of talent. So listen in and listen closely because he has spent the last 20 years figuring out why people leave certain jobs and what makes them stay. So Chris, welcome. Thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, I'm grateful for the opportunity to be here. Thank you. We we are we're pumped. So you've been on quite a journey. I know you're you're bouncing all over the world and talking to people. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you ended up becoming one of the most successful career coaches in the country. Well, the story starts out in a very simple manner. I grew up just outside of Appleton, Wisconsin, in a place called Darboy, Wisconsin. I grew up in a very poor family of 10. I am familiar with government cheese and hand-me-down underwear. So I went through high school and uh, was fortunate enough to go to Kimberly High School. And I graduated as a senior class president. And two years later, I was literally sweeping the floor in a paper mill because nothing in the process had taught me how to figure out where I belonged in the world of work and how to find it. I had then a career of about 10 years in manufacturing and it got promoted up to several different levels. And I woke up 40 years old making more money than anybody reasonably should for making toilet paper. And I realized that every day my legacy was getting flushed. And so that couldn't be my legacy going forward. And so I literally decided as a process manager and process engineer that if nobody taught me how to figure out my personality types, my skills, my abilities, my talents, what problems I could solve and who had those problems and how to get in front of them, then I was going to build it. And so from 2002 to 2017, I became one of the most well-regarded career coaches in the country. I've worked with about 27,000 job seekers in my life from high school graduates, college graduates, and about 3,000 mid-career professionals to make this transition through a process called Human Search Engine. That process, through the amazing work of Reed Ribble, Congressman Reed Ribble, it got identified by the 113th Congress as a national job search model, and in 2016 was adopted by Congress as outplacement for senators, representatives, and their staff when they leave Congress. So when you vote somebody out of Congress, they and their staff get my work to help them figure out what to do after public service. And then companies came to me and said, listen, you've been helping people find companies for the last 17 years can you help us find people? And I said, sure. And again, Reed Ribble, who was the head of the National Roofing Contractors Association, said, if you write a book 
that teaches us a process of how to find people. I will send it out to all my members. That work became really popular across the country. And now I spend over 200 days a year on the road teaching companies how to find people. So for the most part, I help people find companies. Last three and a half years help companies find people. And I live in the, in the middle between those two, right? Nobody taught people how to figure out where to go to work. Nobody taught companies what to do when they have great jobs and nobody applies. And so I'm trying to, to help them find each other. Can you explain to us what the human search engine is? That is such a profound title. Can you just explain a little bit more about that, Chris? Sure. So human search engine is really a research project on yourself. You know, we, we do research before we buy a car. We wouldn't let a 22-year-old buy a $2,500 beater car without having it reviewed by a mechanic or looking on car gurus for reliability indexes. And yet somehow we have all been taught that you go to work by sending an email to a person you've never met at a company you've never heard of for a job you've never done and, and cross our fingers and hope it's a good fit. And so, you know, most people do more research on where to go for pizza on Friday night than they do where they're going to spend 2,080 hours a year for the next 10 years of their life. And so I built up a research model based on your personality type, your beliefs, your interests, your strengths, your values, your hobbies, and help you figure out who has the problems that you can solve and how to get in front of them. Wow. I have recently graduated kids from high school and sent them out into the world. And I cannot tell you how much stress goes on some of these kids trying to figure out what it is that they want to do. And, you know, so you don't think of this as work that a graduating high school student would do. And when you put it into terms of, you know, trying to figure that out, they just don't understand or they don't know. So having something to guide them through that process and through that journey outside of what, you know, everyone's telling them to do, or they're following the crowds, because that's what a lot of them do when they're in high school. This is really a cool thing that at, at any age, someone can come in and go through that assessment. Right. The process, thank you for that. The process really works whether you're 17 or 57, because again, the inputs are different, the outcomes are different, but everybody belongs somewhere, but we've never had a a process to help figure that out. And so the New York Times did an article some 14 years ago that 51% of everybody in America is in the wrong type of job, which sounds shocking until you go back and think about the fact that nobody has ever taught you how to find the right job. It's frankly amazing that 49% of people do find the right place. And so if that idea makes sense to you, I mean, we know two things about young people. Number one, their favorite topic is themselves. And number two, (laughs) if anybody other themselves comes up with an idea, they're going to reject it. And so human search engine is let them to do a research project on themselves, come to their own conclusions, do their own research. And now with the internet, I mean, goodness sakes, we have the combined knowledge of the history of the world available to each one of us in 15 seconds, anytime we want. All we have to do is give students the tools and the process to do the research, and they have access to all the information they need to do it. But they've got to come to those conclusions on their own. And if we don't teach them at 17, I end up having them as clients at 57. Um, (laughs) And like you said, Chris, it's a costly venture for people to be on when they don't understand. So the amount of time, energy, money that goes into investing and developing one skill, like from an employer's standpoint, and then just even the lost time. And we know when it comes to overall well-being, right? Gallup has done a lot of research on well-being, has identified the five essential elements of well-being, one being career well-being, and that one being the most important one. 
you know, because we know that career well-being can impact financial, physical, social, community. It impacts all of those other elements. And when people are dissatisfied and they're frustrated, that can impact the culture. And then they can bring that home to their families, the way it impacts their children. So I just think about the cost of not knowing and then being in the wrong position as a result of it. Yeah. So think about any other decision in your life that will impact 2,080 hours of every year of your life that you would make without doing research, right? We wouldn't buy a house without research. We wouldn't buy a car without research. We wouldn't find a dentist. We don't, we wouldn't buy a $3 toothbrush on Amazon without research and reviews. And yet somehow this idea of just, you find a job ad that you think you, that, that has three words in it that you like, you gumby your resume around it to show them that you're the perfect person for this job you've never done. Like it's just, it's madness that we don't teach this. As a matter of fact, I'm in the process of creating a video online course for high school and college students to actually figure this out. So I'm busy guy, but my legacy will be changing the way people uh, leave high school and college because it makes perfect sense. But the, all of us took a test and said, hey, you should be an engineer. And then you looked at that test and said, I would hate being an engineer. And that's all <laughs> the guidance you got. And you went and figured it out for yourself. So thank you. I think it's worthwhile. And I'm working on bringing it out to the rest of the country. Definitely yeah. needed for sure. So Chris, before we got on here, we were just kind of chit-chatting. And obviously we, our target audience is real estate agents and, and brokerages. And you, you said something that was really profound in terms of that mid-career. Because what we typically find, kids are not coming out of high school saying, oh, I want to be a real estate agent. And they might not even be saying that when they're getting out of college, but it tends to be, you know, something that people turn to because they've tried something else in their career. Do you see that with the 27,000 people that you've talked to? What do you give for advice in people that are looking to potentially get into a specific career type? Great question. And I'd like to speak mostly to the, the real estate agencies first. You got to stop waiting to figure out if people think that real estate's right for them. Nobody's been given them any tools or research to figure out what research is and whether they fit or not. So I always tell people <clears throat> that most people are not in the job they want. They're in the job they could get, right? We don't get the job we want. We get the job of whoever responded to us or chose to interview us or gave us a chance to hire us. And what I found oftentimes, especially during the Great Recession, when jobs were much harder to find, is when people were struggling with their job search, very often as a default, they would say, I'll just go into real estate because, because they didn't know a lot about it, because it looked like freedom, because it looked like, you know, the lifestyles of the rich and famous and all that. It's what you think you know that gets you in trouble when you make a job choice. And so I think we don't put this on the job seeker. I think we put this on the agencies to say, listen, build a persona of your ideal agent right? Personality type, skills, abilities, what job did they come from? What problems do they solve? What hobbies do they have? And that's what I teach companies around the country is build a persona of your ideal agents you already have. And then let's advertise to only people who fit into those specific categories. If we drag a net and catch all the fish, then we're going to end up sitting on the shore and throwing back all the ones that aren't trout. If we figure out what lures trout hit on and where they are and what depth they're at and what time of day. And we fish using just that lure at that time of day at that depth, we will catch trout. And so, you know, if you want to continue to bring on agents 
that don't know what they're getting into that you spend all this time and effort and money and training and then to have them leave you after six months, just keep putting out advertisements for anybody to come into real estate. But if I were giving the first piece of advice to real estate companies, it's you already have great fish. You have great agents. You just have no idea how you caught them and they have no idea how they found you. So using personality tools, using building that persona of education experience, other industries they came from, Now we can advertise only to those kind of people and say, listen, if you enjoy these hobbies, you'll very likely like like real estate because we've interviewed our own people and our best agents love these hobbies. And hobbies are the easiest, clearest indication of somebody's personality type. Why is that? Because hobbies are what you do when you can do whatever you want. Hobbies are what you do that it calms you. You, You choose to spend money on it. And so if you say two things in your job ad, Number one, our best agents left these jobs or industries and successfully made the transition. So you make a list of industries people have left that are a natural fit. And also, if you love these hobbies, you'll likely, you should really start a conversation with us uh, about real estate because personality typing by far is the number one reason people are in the wrong job in America. That is literally gold for any agency that is listening to that. That was just some really amazing advice. And I will also tell you, Kristen, I don't know if you know the statistic or not, but 80% of agents that start a career in real estate fail out of real estate in their first year. So it really supports what you're saying. You know, they're likely getting into the wrong job, right? We, cause you do spend so much time training them and helping them, you know, giving them all the tools to succeed, but if they're not the right personality type and, and I've been doing this long enough where some people walk in and I'm like, Ooh, I don't know if this one's going to make it just because it doesn't come naturally to them. They end up bowing out because there's a missing link. There's a missing piece there. Unfortunately, they discover that most of the time. And now they've just spent their time and money getting into, you know, the real estate world. And, you know, there's some repercussions with that too. They're kind of beating themselves up. They feel like a failure. They don't know where to go next. So, you know, using some of that advice that you just gave can help avoid a lot of that and beat that success rate. Because if you're an agency that is bringing on new people that are not experienced and they want a career in real estate, you should, it should be hard to get into your agency, right? It should be very selective. Yeah. There's a couple of things. So I'm a former military officer. We used to have a saying, if you need it bad, you'll get it bad. And, and that's exactly what happens is sometimes people are like, oh, we need more agents. We can, we'll take on anybody. And then somehow we plant a poison seed and then we complain about, you know, harvesting poison fruit in the fall. And not only that, but, but think about it. When you say 80% of people drop out of real estate after a year, if a teacher wrote a test and 80% of the students failed the test, we wouldn't blame the students, right? right? We would say we wrote a bad test. And so... The, the first step in this for every one of your real estate companies is identify the cost of failure. Right now, if you as an agency don't have, say that when we bring somebody on and we lose them, it costs us $17,000, you will just continue to cycle people through because you believe there's no cost. And I'm telling you, sure, I'm the Society for Human Resources Managers the largest disseminator of HR information in the country would tell you it costs 40% of a person's first year wages without benefits in order to bring on 
recruit somebody, train them, and then errors and omissions, all those kind of things, and then lose them. And so the first thing I do with a company is saying, what is the cost of an open position? And then second, what is the cost of bringing the wrong person on and losing them? If you don't come up to that cost, you'll just stay on this treadmill. But as soon as you assign a cost and say, well, every time we lose somebody, it costs this organization $17,000, you will now do the work up front to make sure it's a good fit. Chris, and you bring up such a good point. I love how, and you stated this earlier, is there's very clear systematic structure in the things that you are recommending, which I think is such a relief to hear when people lean into your work and understand the scalable framework that's in there to help them create better cultures, better systems, better processes to support their people. There was something else that you said earlier that really sparked, and it was around, you know, when we think about real estate, understanding the expectations, what we think the job is going to be versus what it actually is. Real estate has an interesting dynamic going on because a lot of people think it's HGTV. You know, they think when they, when they see what they see on TV and they think they're going to be like flipping houses and fixing things up. And there's all these things that pop up that are unexpected, which I think partner well with the personality testing, because there are things likely in the world of real estate that people were not expecting because they perceived it to be one thing when it was something that was very different. What do you see in organizations when it comes to how employers are communicating expectations of the role? You read some job descriptions even out there and you're like, I don't know that I understand half of what they're saying it, you know, the job actually is. No, no, you're asking a great question. One of the mistakes we make as an organization is to ask the employee who's never been in the industry and never been in the company, what questions do you have for me? Well, how could I possibly even know what the questions are? And so what I encourage you to do is to interview anybody that you've hired in the last 18 months and just ask them to help you make a list of things that they wish they had known on the way in the door. What are your commonly held but false preconceived notions of what was it going to be like? And not necessarily that they would even have made a different decision, but let's make sure people go in with their eyes open. You know, if you take a look at, at what social media and TV shows us about real estate is what? Everybody's rich. Everybody's famous. It's you get a free lifestyle. You can do whatever you want, whenever you want. Your family is all about vacations, right? And so if that were true, 80% of people probably wouldn't wash out in the first year. So let's be cognizant of what people's expectations are and let's do the work for them. Again, we forever as companies said, well, let's let people figure out if we're a good fit for real estate and then we'll just, we can make anybody work. Well, first of all, how's that working for you so far? That's famous Dr. Phil line. And second of all, you can avoid a lot of, or more importantly, assigning mentors, right? Uh, uh, not only have the preconceived notions to let people know on the way in the door what it is and what, and more importantly, what it is not. But assigning somebody uh, a mentor who is just not somebody who's 20 years in, but a mentor who's somebody who just went through this a year ago is a a ridiculously good way of making sure people make it through the first year. Because everybody's going to have the same concerns. They're going to have the same moments of doubt. They're going to have imposter syndrome, even if they are a good fit. And so those two things can really be helpful to people on the way in. But as an organization, let's stop thinking that people have any idea what they're getting into Just take a look at what's on TV and social media. That's what they think it's going to. How about we tell them, make it sure they know what they're getting into before they they actually sign on the dotted line. Mm -hmm. 
Oh my God. That's such good advice. Can we flip the script on that? And you know, what would your advice be to somebody that is looking to get into real estate and perhaps the um, agencies in their market don't have this figured out because they've not worked with you yet to do that. But what questions do you think that they should be asking themselves and perhaps the agency to see, you know, what, how are they going to help them succeed? Yeah. So let me give you a free tool. This is kind of a really big gift. And I'm pretty sure your listeners will not understand the value of it until they actually do it. I have been using the same personality type. It's a free tool. Anybody can use it anytime, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The website is called 16personalities.com. It's the number 1616personalities.com. And in eight and a half minutes, you know, for 27,000 people, it's the exact place I went to figure out why they were unhappy in the last job and where they belong. So not only could companies use it to identify the persona of their ideal applicant, but also people, if you don't know where you belong in the world, listen, Myers-Briggs is an 85-year research project, over half a billion people not half a million, a half a billion people we've gathered data on. And so one of the things that I tell people that they don't love hearing is, listen, your mom told you you were special. I'm sorry to tell you she was wrong. The only thing special about anyone I've ever met in my life are your relationships and your experiences, who you are, how you spend your money, where you belong in the world of work, who you should date, who you should never date, how you spend money is all predictable. And it's predictable based on Myers-Briggs, this 85-year research project. And so any person can take this test anytime. I hope every one of your listeners goes and gives it to their spouse or significant other and you compare it. If you want to know why you have the same argument with your spouse every six weeks that never resolves itself, go share your personality types and you'll (laughs) understand it clearly. But more importantly, give it to your high school or college people who have no idea where to go. There's a super clear path. If we can get your personality type, best jobs, worst jobs, where you belong, cultures you belong into, and then we can find models and mentors along the way to figure out, you know, what's a really good fit. But right now, we don't give people any, it makes me crazy, we don't give students this tool in high school and college. And so if we can give that tool out today, and people can just start the conversation, then we've really done our job today. And I will link to that test because that, that is a really good one. And I'm glad that you brought that up to the surface. I have personally used the Clifton Strengths assessment and to back that point up is my top five talent themes are ideation, futuristic, strategic, arranger, learner. And what I discovered about myself personally is that with a strength like ideation, my reoccurring thought patterns go to thinking about other ways we can do things, dreaming up big ideas. When you put me in an assembly line type of environment where there's not a lot of room for change, that frustration really becomes unbearable in a way. And I found that out the hard way. So I love that you are so passionate about creating exposure and awareness for that because it takes a lot of time and practice to really understand these things about yourself. And there are so many great tools, but it's like you need to 
pull it out and not just read it once, but really dig into it. And I believe that's what human search engine is about. Like, what are the environments? What are the circumstances? What are, you know, from a personality standpoint, there are different tasks and scenarios that are better suited to who you naturally are as a person. So I love that you bring up 16 personalities because that is a really, really good assessment. And like you said, the fact that it's free and so many people have used it, it's a powerful tool for people to use. Right. And remember that Myers-Briggs is really the, based on my research, virtually all of the personality types, and I love all of them, by the way, Strengths Finders, DISC, Real Colors, Culture Index, Predictive Index, the base research that all of those are based on are Myers-Briggs. And so you get to go right to the source here for free 24 hours a day. Again, my legacy is we're going to be teaching this in high school. If you're 35 or 45, imagine what your life would have been like if you had known this when you were 17. I wish, right? <laughs> right. I know. I had, to, I had to like sit there for a minute. I'm like, oh, wow. I would be, it, you know, it'd be so different. You know, what's really funny too, is that along my career journey, I have found um, situations that I can look back and say, oh man, you like, that was a tough lesson to learn. Sometimes the only way that you find that out is by going through an experience to say like, oh, this is not the right fit for me. Like I cannot do this any longer. And if I would have known to take a step back and say to myself, okay, this is why I'm stuck in this job and have these tools, we just don't know about it. So we don't do anything with it. So, And the real value here, if you don't mind, is not only does it tell you where to go with jobs, but there's at least a thousand pages of research on every one of the 16 personality types. It'll tell you the mistakes you're about to make with money, how you'll be as a parent, what to look out for, who you should date, who you should absolutely never date. Like if everyone can just for a moment, and I know this is tough, if everybody can just get over for a moment this idea that we all have to be unique and special, if you're truly unique and special and you're the only one who's ever seen the world through those eyes, well, then you're making this up as you go with no models and no mentors. But if you can just for a moment say, maybe I fit into one of these 16 categories, just like the other half a billion people who took the test do, <laughs> then maybe I can talk about what are the right lanes for me to start in. And there's tons of research in lots of different areas to do work once you're in that lane, but at least it'll tell you where to never go. For example, ENFP is enormously successful personality type for real estate agents. I have a very good friend of mine right here in Appleton who did lots of work. She's a very known agent. You guys would both know her that I have guided into it and she's ENFP and, and the transition was as easy as possible, but she had done many jobs in her life that you know she was good at just because she had this natural personality, but the work itself wasn't a really good fit. So, you know, you can choose not to do this. But, you know, you can't not using this and then complaining about not being in the right job is like starving to death with a ham sandwich in your pocket. Right? Like, <laughs> like it's right here for you. Just use the tools. Use the tools. <laughs> Chris, your newest book, Winning the War for Talent. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but there was this thing that I've seen that's associated with your work. Where did all the people go and when are they coming back? Something along those lines. Yes. And something I hear over and over again is that there's so many jobs, there's so many jobs, yet I hear from people who are looking for jobs that they're not getting calls back. They are having a really hard time finding something. Like, is that really happening? Like, what's going on out there? Yeah, so that's a great thing. So you're exactly right. This whole idea of the demographic shift 
right? If you think about it as an employer, we never once thought about the possibility of us posting a job ad and people not applying, right? And so what companies are going through right now is they planned what to do if we don't have enough customers. They're good at that. They planned what to do if we don't have good logistics. They, they have a plan for that. If we don't have the right raw materials, we have a backup plan for what to do. But this is the first time in the history of you know, the American experiment where you post a perfectly good job with perfectly good pay and perfectly good benefits and nobody applies. And there's never been a class until my class winning the war for talent, not from college, not from SHRM. And I love SHRM, by the way, but they don't have anything that says, you know, when you have a great job and nobody applies, here's what to do next. This demographic shift has been in stone for 35 years. The only way people could not have known that this shortage was coming is that they didn't look. There's a famous line in the movie, The Big Short. Remember where the, the real estate market was going to fall off the cliff. You guys may have heard of this movie, but real estate was going to fall off a cliff in 2008. And Michael Burry figured this out. And the line in the movie says he did the one thing that nobody else thought to do. He looked. And, and so the math has been certain for 35 years that at very best over the next 10 years, we're 8 million people short. We're not 8 million of the right people short. I'm saying there aren't enough people who can fog a mirror in America to fill all the roles that are being vacated at a rate of 12 to 13,000 baby boomers like me in America every single day. And so I tell people all the time, if customers for the last 30 years, the customer's always right, what about the employee? We only could say the customer is always right because we feared not having enough customers. Well, now, what does that mean when we, we aren't guaranteed employment? And so we have a shortage of a raw material that we call labor or people. And for two things that are really important for organizations to understand, and it's really hard. When I say these two things at large conferences, you can literally hear gasps from the audience, from CEOs. Number one is in order for you to win the war for talent, Somebody else has to lose. It's an absolute mathematical certainty. There aren't enough. The math is certain. And number two, for the first time in your business life, you need people more than they need your job and your money. The other thing that's going on that's to understand is that the baby boomer generation, my generation, and this is something nobody talks about, but they should be, has accumulated $59 trillion in assets, double what any other generation has ever accumulated. We were very good at saving money, right? Our parents grew up around the Great Depression. We were taught to get six cents out of every nickel. Our stocks went through the ceiling. Our house quadrupled in value. So there's $59 trillion in assets being held by the largest generation in the history of this country. And by the time we die and retire, we will only spend $29 trillion of that. In other words, $30 trillion is being handed down to the next generation that's 11% smaller. If you want to make this personal to you, I want you to think about this. Everybody who's listening to this, think about if you don't, if you're wondering if what I'm telling you is true, think about, I hope your parents are still alive. Mine are not. But if you think about what you will or have inherited from your parents, and now think about what you will leave for your children when you pass, tell me there isn't a significant difference, right? Wow. And so that's exactly what's going on in the world today. And not only are we 8 million people short, but because there's $30 trillion moving through the marketplace, People have a choice not to work. The labor participation rate is 6% lower than it's ever been historically. And not only are we 8 million people short, but 6% of the adult population is making a conscious choice not to go to work. And in many cases, because they don't have to. You can't win this war with money, but you can win it with putting square pegs in square holes. So sorry, you asked a nickel question. I gave you a $1.50 answer, but um, hope that helps. 
Oh my gosh. I seriously feel like you've answered the question that I hear all the time. It's why are there so many jobs open? Where are all the people? And you just literally broke it down in such a brilliant way. That generational wealth as that passes down, that's why you're seeing 25-year-olds buying $350,000 houses. For cash in some cases. Exactly. (laughs) Because of exactly what you're talking about. You've got the two households. You used to have to have two workers in your household. And now maybe the wife stays home or the husband retires early. And, you know, so you definitely are seeing some shifts in from one generation to the next. And a lot of that is coming from that generational wealth that's that's being passed down from the baby boomers to those to the next generations that are coming. And, and I'd also mention, you know, you got to stop trying to win the war for talent with money because A, you don't have enough money because everybody's got money. And, you know, wage inflation comes from people using money as the only tool. But, and remember, you know, the, the United States government is currently having trouble hiring postal workers and TSA agents, and they can print their own money. So I'm not exactly (laughs) sure how you can compete with that, right? (laughs) So the other thing is that most people don't change jobs for money. What you need to understand is that job change, what I've learned after this long period of time is that job change is an emotional decision, not a financial one. As I say all the time, if you are in a happy relationship, then it doesn't matter how beautiful or handsome the person walking past you is, you might peak, but you don't really care. If you're in an unhappy relationship, you begin to notice. And so remember, nobody's on Monster and Indeed as a hobby, right? No, nobody's there because no, nobody's job search starts with, I love my job. I feel well taken care of and well developed. But I think just for fun, I'll leave all my friends behind and everything I know behind and go to work <laughs> for a person I've never met and a company I've never heard of for a job I've never done and just hope it goes well. So everybody's job search starts with being unhappy. And that's why both for, mostly for the agencies out there, your advertising could speak to, if you're unhappy for this reason, here are the things that being a real estate agent will provide you that can make that unhappiness better. And so we've got to reach people at that emotional state and stop trying to bribe them to come in and work for us. Chris, can you affirm something for me? This is an assumption, so I don't know if my head's in the right spot. It sounds like this problem is not going to go away and it's only going to get bigger. And one of the things that I keep thinking about is this loss of internal institutional knowledge within organizations. And the longer that this gap goes on, the more stress and responsibility it puts on people who are left in organizations. And does it become like a self-perpetuating problem from an internal and an external perspective when organizations are not addressing this with like urgency and intent and a clear, you know, strategic plan of how to take care of this? Well, your questions are very insightful ones. So well done there. What we know for sure, by the way, is that if you don't have a mentor program inside your organization, remember mentor programs are not just a way to get people to stay. They're a way to transfer institutional knowledge from one generation to the next. There's no question what's going to happen, right? If you look at the average age of a real estate agent, my, my guess is, I don't know this as a fact, but it's, it's probably some in late 40s, early 50s, right? Many second careers. Well, think about that. In four years, the baby boomer generation is going to be out of the workforce 96%. So what percentage of those people have been successful agents 
who can, and if you've been a successful agent, you can leave anytime you want, right? You, you, you feathered your nest, you've done what you need to do. And so more importantly, if we're not just hiring great people, if you're losing people, if 80% of people every year, where's the transfer of information going to go from? So once again, as an agency, if you don't identify the cost of an open position, and then additionally, the cost of turnover, I promise you will not do any of this work because nobody wants to do more work. But if you show this on your P&L as a line item or some denotation, that the cost of retention or the cost of open positions is this every year, uh, and somebody has to defend that to the ownership, to the stockholders, whoever, every month, I promise you will start taking this seriously. But what you're seeing is absolutely true. Well, and you asked if your assumption is true. It's only true if you believe in math. <laughs> <laughs> the math is absolutely true. Got it. Got it. <laughs> Well, and the other question is, is, so I have a futuristic strength and it was, there was a funny exercise once where we were working on understanding our talent themes and you had to pick a picture that described that, that strength for you. And there was another gentleman in my group who also had futuristic. And so when we shared our pictures, I shared a picture of Rosie Jetson because that's what futuristic was to me. Sure. He shared a picture of Steve Jobs. I'm like, okay, very different perspectives, but I thought it was comical, but I also thought about this concept of how much is technology replacing the need for humans. And from what it sounds like, not fast enough, not enough. Like, yes, there are a lot of automations and, you know, streamlining that is happening, but there's still such a high demand for emotionally intelligent individuals that can come in and work with organizations in order to keep everything moving and shaking. And and we're not all losing our jobs to robots. Yeah. So number one, there's two here things here. Number one is remember Zillow just tried to do this with algorithms. Didn't go that well for them. Um, and, and second of all, no, right, the New York Times 14 months ago said that only 17% of the worker shortage can be alleviated with AI and machines and automation, right? So let's say we're 8 million people short. Congratulations. Let's go off the deep end and say 25% of that shortage in the next 10 years can be alleviated. Congratulations. We're only 6 million people short. Right, right. But it's also why we have to scan our own groceries at Walmart now, right? Because <laughs> I didn't see my price go down when I started doing their job. So I, know, I don't know right? how that works. Right. But you know, that I mean, I guess that's one example of technology because of a worker shortage, right? They probably couldn't keep enough people, you know, in their talent pool to as cashiers. So they built machines and made us do it. So now it's becoming norm. You know, you go in and you're like, okay, I'm, I'm gonna, you know, bag my own groceries and scan everything. But you're, you're so right though. We're still, even if we only solve 25% of that, which is, is an aggressive number, you know, I think it's an aggressive number, you know, still sitting at that huge number after that, what do you do? People throw out automation. Remember that most people have lived in an environment forever that not finding people, it was just ridiculous. If you couldn't find people, you just weren't working hard enough or you didn't put the ad in the right place or whatever. And in the past, that was true, right? In the past, if we didn't have enough applicants or customers, we just changed our pricing or we just changed the where we advertised or how we advertised and people always came because the math was still on our side. 
But again, you know, if you don't believe in math, then I don't really have anything to offer you. But <laughs> I will tell you, my client companies around the country, so I've now presented in one-on-one -on -one in person to some 2,000 CEOs across the country. And they know that this is the number one issue for businesses over at least the five and probably the next 10 years. You don't have to do anything about it, but the math is certain. And not only that, the tools to do it make perfect sense to you. And frankly, what I teach companies to do is use a lot of the marketing ideas. Personas are a marketing idea. They're a sales and marketing idea. They come from different parts of the industry that are well vetted. And now we can use the exact same things to sell our jobs the same way we sell products and services. But we've never had to sell jobs. So for many people, especially, frankly, my age, it's, it's unbelievable that we'd have to do it. We always had the gold. People needed our gold more than we needed them. And here's a, here's a scary and interesting statistic. People will complain all the time about being ghosted by my job seekers, right? So ghosting is where somebody applies and then they, somewhere in the interview process, they just stop talking. They just disappear. And I'll tell CEOs, well, wow, that's super unprofessional and, and really frustrating. And don't be too mad because you started it. Like most companies, over 91% of all resumes and cover letters that have been sent to companies in the last 10 years went completely unresponded to. And now somehow we're mad that those people don't want to come talk to us anymore. It just, we've had it our way for a long time. We don't have it our, our way anymore and we have to compete. It is a good point. And I recently talked with someone who she had lost her job and she was going through the traditional route of you know, going out to Indeed, applying for the job, writing the cover letters, you know, going on their websites, filling out their profiles. And the whole time I'm like, why don't you just pick up the phone and start talking to the industries that you want to get into? Because she has a certain talent. And I said, talk to this person, talk to that person. Well, you know, she kept going down the original route and then ran into one of the people that I told her to have a conversation with and they knew each other casually. And guess what? That she got hired and started working at that job. So it was, you know, she was getting burnt out just right. from, just from applying for jobs because, you know, you've got a phone interview and you've got an in-person interview and then a third interview. And then I love the fact that some companies are going through the screening processes, but from a job seeker standpoint, oh my gosh, that's why some people are just going to stay miserable in the jobs that they're in because it's just so difficult to go through that. Yeah. And the second half of human search engine, the whole work, because it's a workbook, right? It's not a book you read. It's a, it's a workbook that you do that ends up being an individualized process for every person, but it literally teaches you how to do a structured networking research project to do your job search, an informational interview-based process that, you know, what, who do I talk to and what questions did I ask and why will they talk to me and how do I approach them and what does the email look like? I've literally, after thousands of people laid that out, the only way you can get it wrong is if you don't do the process. Sure. But what you're starting with this is idea is that we're moving from an environment where information was very hard to get. Remember, when I was growing up, if you lost your job, it was scary and you had to wait for the Sunday paper to come out. So any job, even a bad job, was one you held on to with both hands. Today, why would any millennial or any Generation Z person be afraid of losing their job? There's 
1 million open jobs in America. There's only 6.7 million unemployed people. We're still 200,000 jobs short of where we were before the pandemic started. And you can't open a car door without hitting two now hiring signs. <laughs> so it's not only important to bring people in, but if you don't, you know, I have this saying that when, when millennials stop learning, they start leaving. If I'm known for one saying across the country, that's it. And, and you guys might even relate to that. It might be why you went on this path and did your own stuff because you learned all you could in an organization. And when you saw that you had learned all you could, you went to seek a higher mountain. And so thinking not only about putting the right people, square pegs and square holes, but the mentor and the subject matter expert model that I build in winning the war for talent, the book will allow you to create that model so that people continue to learn and create a parking lot for talent in your organization, that people see a path to get to the next place, but all the work is really on them. Chris, I, that's, that is just absolute gold. That is so, so smart. So Chris, if people want to get a hold of you, like where can they find you? So if you go to chriszarnick.com and, and I'll spell it for you, Chris, C-H-R-I-S, the last name is C as in cat, Z like zebra, A-R-N-I-K. But if you go to chriszarnick.com, you'll see my website, lots of videos. And whether you're a company looking to recruit, retain, and develop talent, or there's an entirely different side for job seekers. So it doesn't matter if you are a job seeker or somebody seeking talent, there's a side of the, the webpage that was built for you, but there's lots of videos and recommendations and, and those things on there. I have a lot of YouTube videos. If people are in job search, if they go, if they connect with me on LinkedIn, I wrote some 89 job search posts. Now it's three or four years ago, but, but teaching them literally how to do a job search in the way I'm teaching, there's about 80 plus posts on LinkedIn that they can connect with me and connect with those posts and it'll lead you through. And of course, you can get the book, Winning the War for Talent. It's an audio book by publisher. So it was really cool. It got picked up by the largest publisher in the country, Random House. They turned it into an audible book. And so if you don't like reading, you can listen to it. And Human Search Engine, the workbook, is an ebook available at chrisarnick.com. So I'm on the road most of the time helping companies find job seekers, but there's definitely stuff there for job seekers as well. You know, you used a movie quote earlier and I've got one that I'd like to share back and it comes from Jaws and it's something like, I think we're going to need a bigger boat. I hope you are ready because good thing 20 years ago, you started off on the journey that you started on because I see a growing demand in the type of work that you do. You have so much energy, enthusiasm, and passion. It's no wonder why you're booked so many days out of the year. You know, I was able to see videos of you speaking and like you just move people to think differently. And I appreciate that. And I'm so thankful for the work that you're doing, because I know that you're making the lives of your job seekers better. You're making the lives of your employers better. Everyone pays from the type of work that you're doing. So thank you for sharing your gifts with us today. No, you're very welcome. And passion is great, but passion without process uh, only gets you excited, but gives you nothing else to do. So I love the fact that I hope I bring it with passion, but more importantly, it's important for everybody to understand whether you're a company or a job seeker, that everything I teach is logical. It's sequential. You can measure, audit, and adapt it based on the market. And so why not do a research? If your company, do a research project on who your best people are and how do we get more of them? And if you're a job seeker, how about we do a research project on the one topic that's the most interesting topic to everybody in the world? 
and that's themselves. Where do I belong in the world of work and how do I get there? Well, thank you, Chris. That is all we have for today's Golden Power Hour podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and are looking for more ways to develop and grow your business, check us out at mygoldenlink.com. We'll be sure to put all of Chris's contact information in the write-up for this podcast as well. So thank you very much, everyone. Have a great day and stay golden. Thank you.